With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Welcome to the Stuka Say podcast. I'm Dave Hendon and delighted to be joined this week by... One of Scotland's professionals, Scott Donaldson. We'll get it out of the way right from the start, Scott, because I always say this, I don't annoy you. You're not related to Walter Donaldson. Uh, no, I'm not. And every time I watch a game back, I hear you mentioning the exact same fact over and over again. No relation. I, I promise never to mention it again. Um, you're from a kind of, well, Britain is a snooker country, but Scotland certainly um, in, in the sort of, after the emergence of Stephen Hendry, in the 90s, was very much a snooker country. So how did you find snooker? How did you get into it? Uh, I think, just like most players, just watch on the t- television. Uh, obviously, we, there was a lot of coverage in the early 90s. Um, well, I was born in 94, so it had been about maybe late 90s, early 2000s, when I was kind of starting to watch it. And that's when likes of Henry and Higgins were, were always on the telly. And, and, and to be honest with you, it probably wasn't the players that originally got into it. I just liked the colour balls and the green cloth, it just looked appealing to my eyes. But but when I obviously got to like 10, 11, I seen that there was a lot of, a lot of the Scottish players dominating the game. And, um, you know, I used to go in down to the, the some of the Premier League things down in Stirling. I used to watch Stephen practicing in Stirling quite a lot. Um, and it started from there, really. But there's no doubt that the, that the, the Scottish players sort of, yeah, didn't did influence my decision to play snooker. So when you started, did you start straight on a full-size table? Because quite a few people sort of start on the, on the six-foot tables. Yeah, no, I definitely started on one of the smaller ones. You know, the one you can buy. I think my dad bought it for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so started small. Then I went to the local club and I thought I was okay. You know, my dad said he thought it was quite good. He said I was better than him when he was younger. So I just kind of continued it from there on. It was just... It was just something that you did as a hobby, and then you just kind of get better and better as as you as you get on, and and then and you don't really know how long you're going to be playing. You can you can take it as far as you can, and you know some people it works for, some people it doesn't. Did you play other sports, or was or, or did snooker become kind of the main one? Yeah, I, I I didn't play sport at the level I played snooker at. Um, I, I played a bit of table tennis. I was quite good at that, but I don't think I'd ever. 
I don't think I've ever done anything at it. Uh, mm. But no, nah, snooker was the main one for me. Yeah. And so you would have played in, in the Scottish junior tournaments. Um, again, it's part of the country that has already has a structure. Um, so were you able to sort of start playing tournaments quite quite quickly? Uh, yeah, as far as I can remember, I used to play in the under-14s and um, under-16s. Um, I think there was a bit of a fallout with the associations at the time I was growing up, which obviously it wasn't amazing, but it didn't really, it didn't really affect me as a player. It affected me and my parents and whatnot. So, um, but I, there was a lot of tournaments growing up and it was good because I, even though the standard probably wasn't as high as like so when Higgins and, and, and all that were coming through with the, with the amateur game was bigger back then, but there was still a lot of really good juniors back then. Um, and a couple of them are still playing today. And at what age did you start to think, I'm actually, A, good at this, maybe better than some of the other kids playing? And did you start to see it as a as a career in the future or was it just something you enjoyed doing? Uh, I think, I, I mean, I, I wasn't dominant in the, the under-16s or anything like that. So it wasn't probably until I was maybe 17 that I, that I improved quite dramatically from, from around about 17-year-old. and. Mm. Um, I was then kind of beating good amateurs and then, you know, I was kind of holding my own against some of the pros that were falling off the tour. Um, so it was probably around about my late teens and, and the run at that time where I sort of kind of realised that I might be able to do something. But then you go down to the Q school and there's that many players and you don't get through. You kind of think maybe it's not because you you can't judge yourself on, on how good you are when you're in your own club and when you're on. You need to be in different conditions that you're uncomfortable with. Um, but yeah, it, it's a hard one to put a, a number on. But I'd, I'd probably say about eighteen. I thought I might have a chance. Well, that's because that's around the time you won the uh, the European Amateur title, yeah. um, which was a, a massive deal for you, obviously. It was, yeah. But the thing is, I won it in the June of twenty twelve. But in the March, I lost in the semi-finals of the European Under twenty ones, and that was kind of a turn where I thought I might I might do okay because there's a lot of players about my age. Um, that were doing well. I got to the semis and I lost to Shane Castle. I don't know if you remember mm. Shane Castle. Um, and by the way, he was awesome. Fourteen year old, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then I, I went to the Q school um, just before I won the European. I didn't get through. And as far as I was concerned, I probably thought it's probably not for me. I'll go to the European Championships, see how I get on. And I think playing against the older guys probably helped my game more like I was getting potted off the table against the young guys on the 21s so I think it was probably a blessing in disguise that I went through that and then I won the Europeans just funny how it works mm. and that got you on the tour right it did yeah. yeah so what was that like because what you say you've had the disappointment of Q school and then suddenly there you are you're going to turn pro you know yeah I know I remember my first year it was just it was just obviously because any I think any first pro they're just trying to get their bearings of of what of what they need to do first of all, what they need to sort of organise themselves with because it's not just about playing snooker. You need to organise your life. You need to organise your whatever booking hotels and there's so many things that you don't think about. And then obviously the playing aspect of it is is hard because you're playing against top top players, and it was it was hard. I I, I didn't I didn't I didn't really enjoy my first season because you're never really sure what it's all about um but the second season i really i really enjoyed it a lot more and um, 
I've always been a kind of a hard worker, tinker of things, te- technically wise, and I think that kind of helped me. I've always been like that. Really. I'm interested in that first year. I think it has changed a little bit now because I think they have sort of inductions. But on day one of your first tournament, what what do you do? You just turn up and you're just sort of you don't know you don't know where you are. Does anyone kind of no it, help it, it you? Was, or? Well, I remember it was in Gloucester. It was, mm. it was a PTC because um, because the the ranking event format. Um, was still the old system. It yeah. was only my second year that the new system came in, and um, it, which I actually don't mind. But in Gloucester, it was the PTC format. I remember I played Liam Highfield. I think it was Liam Highfield I played. Maybe you can look that up. Um, and I won that match, so that gave me a lot of confidence. But then I played Marco Fu, and he just kind of schooled me completely. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know he wasn't in my eyes at the time a top player because he wasn't winning a lot of tournaments. But then you see guys like Marco Fu, who's only won, what is it, three or four ranking events. You see how good they are. And then you see, remember, this is actually harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. And at that point, I think you said you enjoyed your second year. Did, did you see this as almost, okay, I've given it a go, it might not, might not work out? Or did you feel yourself improving and maybe getting used to the fact that, okay, the standard is high and I've got to really work hard if I'm going to compete. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Um, like I said earlier, I've always kind of tinkered technically wise and I found a few things that helped me and I sort of used them in matches and and it's probably more mentally than technically really, but I don't know really. It's, it's a hard one because yeah, you're obviously going to enjoy it more when you're winning. That's the natural part of everything, but I think... I just maybe got used to the way the game was played. Maybe it was played differently, I'm not sure, but um I, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just tough snooker because you no matter how much you practice, it never really seems to 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 equate to results because you know it's, you've got to be in a good mental state, you've got to think of different things. But yeah, definitely the second year was was kind of an easier year for me. I don't know why. It just seemed to be like that. Can you think of any specific kind of results that made you feel actually maybe turn the corner or maybe I can actually compete with these guys? Not really, Dave. I'm not really one of these ones that kind of, like if I, if I play a match and someone says, how did you play? Mm. I say good or I say not very good. I, I don't think of specific games or specific shots that I've played. Some guys come off and say, oh, did you see that shot? I, honestly, I can't remember some of the shots that I've played. Mm. But um, no, I, I can't think of a match. There probably was, but it's gone in my memory so fast. Um, but I know I had, I had a lot of good results in China in the second year. Mm. And um, that obviously helped in the travel aspect of it, getting used to that. So, yeah. I can ask about that, actually. Obviously, at the moment, we, we don't have those events. But what was that like? Suddenly, you're effectively traveling the world. It, it sounds glamorous, but, I mean, I, I went on a couple of the early trips. It's not at all, is it? I mean, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of functional travel, airports. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and going airport to the hotel, jet lagged and all that, all that stuff. Did did you suffer on the jet lag? And how did you find sort of travelling in general? Uh, between you and me, I, I thought it was I, I didn't like China, I, and I still don't like China. Uh, I got food poisoning the first time I was there, um, <laughs> so that kind of put a put a bad act on it already. Um, it's just not what you think it's going to be. You think you know we get this sort of um, propaganda in, in, in the UK where. It's all these lovely kind of rivers and these buildings with this, the shapes on them. It's just not like that. It's just it's a di- it's a different culture. I'm not gonna 
say it's bad. It's, it's, it's a d- different culture and you need to get used to it. And to, to go there and play a best of seven, you might lose on the black. To then have that journey home mm. is um, it's something you need to experience. I can't really give you a description of it. You need to experience it to, to know what it feels like. Yeah, I always feel like when you talk to players about coming coming back from China, obviously, like you say, you know, you've gone a long way. You might have lost first round. That's when you realise how mentally demanding the profession is, because it is a profession being a snooker player at the professional level. How how are you sort of with dealing with defeats and dealing with the the, the, the disappointments? Um, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Um, that's for a variety of reasons. My personal life's good now, and but back then, you know, you think when you're growing up, snooker is everything, and and. <laughs> And you lose some matches, you just you, you just can't think of anything worse. Try you know, on the plane, even just waiting at the airport for four or five hours overnight. It's just there's just so many things going, so many shots that you re- replay over your head, and you think, why did I miss that? Did I miss it on the on the side that I normally miss it? And it just I two seconds. Um, yeah, so um, but it's it's one of those ones. Like I said, you can't you can't. You can't think of it's going to be that bad. It's just a game of snooker, but it can it can really mentally um, frustrate you. No doubt about it. Yeah, and and like I say, it's actually it's not just a game of snooker because you're playing for your living. Um, yeah. You know, there's certain matches you have to win to, to, to win any money. So I'm going to ask you about um, playing on TV. Do you remember your first sort of TV match? Yeah, uh, um, I know I played. Um, I played, I think I played Selby in China at one of the Asian PTCs. But in the UK, I know I played O'Sullivan. I played O'Sullivan in the in the PTC finals in Preston. And um, just the, the whole atmosphere and the pressure involved of even just walking out with Ronnie and, and just the way he plays, it was just, yeah, it was just too much for me, I think. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. Mm. But after a few years, four or five years, you started actually you know, going going deep in a few tournaments, you got to the semis in Wales, twenty seventeen. Yeah. So suddenly you're kind of it's not because the thing with I mean it's changed a little bit because they're qualifying now, but the original home nations, you get there day one, it's an absolute cast of thousands. Obviously the crowd the, the, the field thins down. You're suddenly there on the Saturday. There's only four players left. Did you start to think, well, you know, why shouldn't I win this? Definitely. I I know I'm Obviously, I'm in the practice room, and you've got Willie Thorne talking to to the Welshman, and um, you're thinking, "Am I actually the one that's playing here?" Because I'm always <laughs> used to watch this on the TV, and Willie Thorne's in the commentary or in the punditry in the studio. And I actually think, "No, I'm actually not bad at this game. I'm all right." Um, but then, obviously, you go out and you play someone of Judd's caliber, you know. And um, even though I played okay, I, I lost six three. But that, even after that tournament, I thought maybe maybe I actually can do something. I just keep working on little small things and taking really small steps at a time and it's only when you kind of reflect on it now that you think that that was maybe the, the kind of event that sort of spurred me on even further and um, yeah it was a good time back then I liked it yeah. and also I guess you know the fact that you're there in a semi-final live on TV if your family can see it you know you're not on table six playing anonymously mm. you're actually mm. when you tell people you're a professional snooker player this is your chance to prove it because they can see it yeah, and they can't they can't turn around and say, oh, I've never heard of him when you say I've lost to this guy, you know, even though he made three three centuries and a ninety. And they say, Well, how did you lose them? At least when you lose to Judd Trump, they go, Oh, that's a tough match. <laughs> and um 
yeah, but it was just good even playing Judd because I think whenever you play a top player for the first time, you need to let them know that you can play as well. Mm. Um, but it's only over a number of years where I think you can really say that. Whereas the first time they play you, they're probably they're probably thinking you're not very good. But then after, I think it, I think I was I think I was four three down in that match, and at, at that point, I thought I could probably win this tournament because I'm I'm kind of holding my own with them. Yeah, but then I think he made a couple of good breaks to to win six three. But no, I really enjoyed that tournament, and I do like Wales. There's no doubt about it because I've always done well. Mm. And you got to a couple of other quarters and semis around around the sort of next couple of years, and also 2019, you make your debut at the Crucible. Now that's sort of the holy grail for snooker players. Um, before we get on to the actual match with Kyron, when you qualified, how did you feel then? Was was that like really exciting? I don't know what I felt because I was nine four up and I got paid back to nine all and I won the decider. Um, I made a sixty break in the last frame and I don't know how because I one I couldn't stand up and two I couldn't, I couldn't even see the balls. Uh, I, I just yeah, just what this game does to you. I can't honestly, I can't honestly say it, but the um, that qualifying match was, was brutal and um, just to get through it and then even play the crystal was awesome. But yeah, the qualifying was was tough, really tough. Mm. I mean, I've played in the I've played in the qualifying for about ten years, and I've only got through twice. And every time I've came back, I go up. I can't say I've played really bad, you know, and it, it's just tough. Mm. But when you get to the crucible, you know, and you you put your stuff on, you're in the dressing room, they call you, you're in that corridor, you're about to be introduced. That must have been exciting. Really, 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 really exciting. Yeah. Um, it's probably more nerve-wracking than excitement. But then when you go there and you start playing, you win your first frame, it is really enjoyable. I mean, obviously, I've, I've never won a game at the Crystal Ball, but, but to play there is 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 something else because you don't realise how small the venue actually is. You know, you're sitting right next to your opponent. I know it, it looks like that on the television, but it looks even closer when you're there. You know, it's it's, uh, it's some venue, it really is. Had you ever been to watch before? Or was that you literally never, first been there? No, right. never. I, I said I would never go until I've played there. Yeah, but now I might I might go and watch a couple, a couple of matches if I'm down at the time it's on. And and is it? I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the tables always look the same, but the, the arenas are different. Is it actually? Is it harder to play there because it's so tiny? I mean, it's you're, you're, you're kind of even the wall is like there's only just about room to actually play. Was was it? Yeah. Did you find it hard to actually sort of play your your own game? Yeah, from what I remember of it, yeah, I definitely did. Um, and I was playing against Karen, who had always had a lot of success there whenever he'd played there. And um, it was just, I think, um, I think I was 3-1 down. I nicked the frame on the black to go 3-1. And that's probably when a lot of relief came because you just don't want to get granted. You don't want to lose 10-0. <laughs> and um, <laughs> once I went 3-1, I was really, really sort of in the zone. And then, you know, even though I lost, I still enjoyed it. Mm. And then the following year, there's been so many championship leagues recently that uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of them. But you won one of them, um, invitation uh, version. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a roller coaster, Scott, wasn't it? Let's be honest, in Leicester, because there was you, you, you had a sudden, well, I don't know whether it was an allergic reaction or something. You were taken ill during mm. during the, yeah. the initial group phase. Yeah, it was a weird one. I was I think I was playing Graham in the final of one of the groups, and um, I, I was turning up. And I think I just played a safety shot. And I just coughed. And then all of a sudden I couldn't I couldn't get any air into my lungs. It was like some there was something stuck in, in the back of my throat and I don't know what it was. So 
I just tried to cough again as if, you know, it's something normal, but a bit of phlegm or whatever. And then it sort of made it worse. And I just had to run to the toilet. And Mark Williams, the security guard, came in and goes, you're all right? He goes, I, just, I said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So then um, I think it was maybe 30 seconds where I sort of coughed in the, in, the, in the bathroom sink. And then it seemed to be okay after that. And then I had to go out for some fresh air for, for a good half an hour. Because that was weird. I don't know. I still don't know what happened to this day. Um, just one of those very strange occurrences. But you won the title, so it all worked out okay. Yeah, I won at the end, so that was good, <laughs> thankfully. Because I got told I was going to be disqualified after the second time I have to leave the room. Yeah. But Graham, I think Graham sort of said, well, no, you know, we've got to let him. I think Graham said, I mean, he could have claimed the match, couldn't he? But he said, he no, let him. Yeah, no, Graham's a good guy, one of mm. the best guys on the tour. And no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he said no, no. Because you could see that I was, I would, I'm two nil up. If I was two nil down, he could maybe have thought I was trying to play games with him. But, mm. you know, it, it, it's just one of those weird situations, Dave. I mean, I'm not going to pretend the Championship League is, is one of the game's absolute majors, but the, no, fact is you, the fact is you won it and there were a lot of top players in that sort. Yeah, listen, listen. I um, t- I I didn't ever think I'd, I'd ever win anything at that stage because, mm. you know, I, I'm not a top player and, and to win anything on the Pro Tour is, is awesome. You know, mm. it does come a lot of bonuses, champion and champions, and, and obviously with the, the financial aspect uh, as well. But, you know, just to win something, just to say I've won something, not everyone can actually say that. The vast, vast majority of players who even A, pick up the game and B, turn pro, they don't win anything because it's just so hard. It's nothing to say they've they've not tried their best. It's just so hard. The, the, the standard's so high. And just to say I've won something is, um, is, is, is obviously a good thing. But what you also did there, this was last year, the same tournament, that fluke. We've got to talk about that. People will have seen it. <laughs> we went viral. I mean... Oh. I know, Do you want to talk was... us through it, Scott? <laughs> Can I? Can you? I don't know. You seen it? I didn't. I didn't see it at the time. Um, yeah, so I've played the red at the black pocket. Try to develop some reds. I've ended up missing the pot because I was looking at the positional aspect of the shot. And uh, now that I've split the reds open, all I can see is what I've left Graham. And then I just heard I heard a pocket rustling as if a ball had went in the pocket. And I've been standing there thinking, I'm sure that came from the middle pack. And then I just see Rob Spencer just laughing. <laughs> and uh, I'm there, Rob. He goes, it's went up the table on the cushion, bounced along the, the rail, went over the middle pocket, hit the knuckle and swerved round the blue into the other middle. And I was like, no, no, I'm not sure about that. And great, But the, the funny thing is with that fluke, when it happened, the first thing that I heard was Graham said, and it counts. That's all he was interested <laughs> in. You know what Graham's like? Yeah. Said, and it counts. Because yeah. he... He's never happy, but it's just funny. Yeah. I think it proves so, and this is kind of touching on, again, the, the mental side of, of snooker. It's a real... Ro- even at one frame can be a roller coaster. Your emotions change so much. We've seen players, obviously, they'll miss, go back to their seat, utterly dejected, expecting to be punished, but then their opponent misses. So suddenly, you've got to get back into the right state to then come and hopefully take your chance. Mm. It's, it is a real test, isn't it, of your sort of mental fortitude? That is. Um, yeah, it is, but see, I, I, I don't know if I have the same opinion as everyone else. Just because you're in a good frame of mind doesn't mean you'll play well. Mm. It's it's often, some of the best games I've played is when I've been really, I've not even been wanting to go down to the tournaments, let alone let alone thinking I'm, I'm going to have a chance of doing something. Um, so snooker's a funny sport because it's it's not like any other sport. You, 
you know, you could play well and the guy flips the ball and you don't even you don't even get a chance to reply. You're just sitting down and and um, but there's no doubt that if if you can feel like you've prepared and done everything you can and you're in a good mindset, it will definitely give you the best chance most of the time. Um but yeah. But is is most of the preparation literally the practice, or have you looked into doing some players? They talk to psychologists and they do other things, read books or whatever, meditate. Have you ever done any of that, or are you just focused on the actual game? Um, I'm focused on my game when I'm in the club and and sort of working on on shots that I don't like and whatnot. Um, but when I'm not sort of like, like I'm not a drinker, like I don't like go to the pub and that, and I like a lot of like nature stuff and um, sciencey like stuff mm-hmm. and. I get a lot of good perspectives and thoughts from that stuff, you know, what's important. Like at the end of the day, it is only a game of snooker. And I go out there without really putting any pressure on myself. And I just I just feel relaxed when I'm playing. Um, so that's kind of what I do in my preparation. Everyone's mm-hmm. different. Everyone's got their own. Like Nadal, obviously, you can see how serious he takes it and whatnot. I'm not saying I don't take it seriously. I do take it seriously. But um, it's, just, it's just a game of snooker. And, um, you know, it's all going to be forgotten about it at some point so you just need to enjoy it while you're doing it and what about your relationship with the other players because you know if I go in the players room I see groups of players sit, sitting around talking some like to keep themselves themselves because you are rivals ultimately but you spend so much time together I guess that you're naturally going to become friendly and obviously you've got something in common you're, you're all snooker players yeah yeah um, well yeah I mean I'm quite um, um, I'm quite a, a, a shy person anyway so you know, I'll speak to the Scottish lads, no problem. I get on with a few of the guys, but like I so said, like because I'm so far away from everyone else, I'm probably the most northern snooker player in the UK. I think on the tour, at least, mm-hmm. anyway. And um, like, like English guys, I don't really see them very often, so you don't really go and speak to someone that you don't know anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of normally myself, and I'll speak to a few of the guys, but it's normally just me and the missus. And I, I actually quite like that. I'm quite, a, mm-hmm. I'm quite a, a kind of shy person. I just kind of do my own thing, really, and um, that's not. That's just what I do. That's just mm. that's just what I enjoy doing. To be honest, as we speak now, you're I think 46 in the world. Um, you're in that sort of middle ranking position where the players rank there now are a lot better than they used to be for sure. You know, and and any one of them could break through and, and climb the rankings. Do you have, do you set goals in terms of you know we're starting the season? Do you aim for anything specifically, or are you just trying to do as well as you can? Oh, 100% just do as well as you can. I don't think, because of the system, you know, you, you could win three or four matches in an event and then you could win two in one event and it, it means more. So I don't really think you can have a goal in this stage. And then maybe the top players are different. Maybe maybe they set their goals on the specific tournaments, like the top tournaments or whatnot. But as far as it goes with someone to the rankings like myself, you just need to go and play and and one, enjoy it and two, just, just, just try and make it hard for your opponents. I think that's just all you can do and all anyone can do is just do their best. I don't care who you are. That's all you can do. And in terms of sort of where snooker is, are you kind of, I mean, as I say, I know you said you weren't a great fan of China, but those tournaments were lucrative. We haven't got them at mm-hmm. the moment. But in terms of when the calendar came out, you know, were you, I mean, Scott, the Scottish Open is in Edinburgh, which is good news. But in terms of the overall kind of the way snooker is at the moment, are you, as a professional, are you kind of happy with that? Oh, of course. I mean, I'm earning a lot of money at snooker. I'm not going to complain. It, Barry, I think people Barry gets a lot of criticism, but I think he's done an amazing job. Honestly, I speak to a lot of the guys, and they say the same. And he's given us earning opportunities. You know, I'm I'm 46 in the world, and you know, I'm doing really well for myself. Um, 
and that would never have happened before he came in. Um, but I look at the calendar, and I know I've heard a lot of folk complaining about it, but there are, I think Ross Nicker is doing their best too. I mean, obviously, they want China back, and, and the players do too. Uh, but if they're getting told they can't do it, then I don't see what more they can do. Um, as long as we've got maybe eight or nine, ten tournaments, then I think that you can't really complain in this day and age. Mm. Just as we sort of start to wrap up, you've been on the tour now 10 years. What, what would you say are the best things about being a snooker professional as opposed to doing another job? Um, I think that flexibility of your time, you're not, you're not um, sort of controlled by an employer as such. But that's, that's also a curse as well because you've got to have the self-motivation, the, the, the sort of will to go to the club even when the results aren't going well. Mm. And I think that's when you find out if you're good enough, if you can really go and put the hours in when you're, when you're not feeling like you want to really do it. But that's, that's probably the thing I do like about it. You have your flexible time. And like so I was at the Scottish Open Golf yesterday. And if that was a Thursday afternoon. If I was working for an employer nine to five, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So just to pick and choose what, what you do and what you don't do is probably the biggest sort of positive I can see. Yeah. And the other side of the coin, what, what what would be the sort of worst thing about being a snooker pro? Um, I think maybe just the fact that when you come back from a tour and you lose, people just automatically assume that you've just not practised and you've not you've not played well, whereas it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you can put all the work on the world and you lose you lose a match and you know, someone else doesn't do any practice and they play terrible and they win and they people still probably think that they're that you're there practicing more than you or whatever it is. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about being a snooker player, but nobody really finds out until they've played. I think a lot of the guys that watch maybe O'Sullivan play a, a young amateur, they go, Oh, he's rubbish. But then they go and play him at Q school and they can't even win a couple of frames against him. Um yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about snooker and I think Another thing I would say that's that's not great is I think the difference between playing snooker and watching snooker is the biggest in any sport because obviously any sport you watch, you're always good at it because you always see a good shot. But the difference between playing and watching snooker, the gulf between how hard it is and how easy it looks on TV is just so big. It, it looks so easy. You know, like you play a snooker game on your phone, you can select where you want it in the way. You can select where you want to aim on it. But then you go and play snooker, and it's just it's just so off. And, uh, mm. Yeah, that's why I was. You've been playing snooker, you know, most of your most of your life. But f- final question: I'm always interested in, in, in whether there is an answer to this. If you hadn't have been a snooker player, what do you think you would have gone into? <sighs> well, I'm quite a curious person, so I might have done something with like like astrophysics or something like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that would be the case because I've kind of, I've kind of just developed that over the years. So maybe it would have taken a different route, but it would have been something like that, I think. Something That's quite like different. That. That's quite different. Yeah, yeah. I love all this. I love this. I love the astronomy. I, I do. I really love it. So it really gives me a kind of feet in the ground kind of outlook to life. You know. Brilliant. Well, uh, who knows? In the future, that might be an avenue to go down, Scott. But no, uh, I think, I'm not sure. <laughs> We, we, we could say it's not rocket science, although it actually would be. But anyway. It would be, yeah. Would be. <laughs> Listen, thanks a lot for um, for joining me and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Okay, thank you, Dave. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.